time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad. Rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. This, as the banner already has proclaimed, is Mr. Harvey Honeygut, an expert on commerce and con jobs, a brash, bright, and larceny loaded wheeler and dealer who, when the good Lord passed out of conscience, must have gone for a beer and missed out. And these are a couple of other characters in our story. A little old man in a Model A car, but not just any old man and not just any Model A. There's something very special about the both of them. As a matter of fact, in just a few moments, they'll give Harvey Honeycutt something that he's never experienced before. Through the good offices of a little magic, they will unload on Mr. Honeycutt the absolute necessity to tell the truth. Exactly where they come from is conjectural. But as to where they're heading for, this we know. Because all of them, and you, are on the threshold of the Twilight Zone. Episode number 50 of The Twilight Zone was The Whole Truth. And a couple notes here, Sean. First of all, we're basically a third of the way through this. It's amazing. So, so congratulations. Hey, congratulations to you. Uh, we haven't been fired, but it would, it would be kind of <laughs> tough for us to get fired. Um, uh, so so that's, uh, that's, that's one thing of note for this episode. But uh, also, I had never seen this episode before. Really, and, and I and I don't know why. I have a feeling when we get to season four and we have the hour long episodes. Oh yeah, <laughs> that there's probably a few of those that slipped past the goalie over the years, and I and I haven't seen those. I so mean, it's it, it it's not that you you saw it once and you never went back to it. You've never seen this episode. Why why do you think that is? Was it just like not played during marathons, or um, did you usually skip over it? Uh, no, it, w- it wasn't even a matter of, of skipping over it. I had never seen it at all. So I, I guess that, um, you know, it wasn't in regular rotation, you know, yeah. over the years, just when the Twilight Zone was on in general. And, you know, whenever it was on in a marathon, I'm, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Uh, I just somehow never saw it. So it'll be interesting, you know, 156 episodes. It'll be interesting to see if there's any more. Yeah. Um. It's a weird episode. It starts off super slow, then gets real weird. <laughs> it does get get real weird. And um, first of all, I, I would assume that uh, on some level this was, uh, you know, they were probably thinking about this when they wrote the movie Liar, Liar. Yes. It's, it's <laughs> I thought of, about the exact same thing. It's kind of the, kind of the same idea. This and, is just uh, Liar, Liar. <laughs> Uh, one of the one of the notes that I wrote down is uh, Harvey Honeycutt is uh, one of my favorite uh, names from from the Twilight Zone. It is a good one, and I'm I'm on the Wikipedia page here, and it, it they spell it H U N N I C U T, which I uh, oh see that's it. completely superfluous because nobody's going to read it. <laughs> why, why why would you do that? <laughs> I'm just I'm glad it's not the the generic H O N E Y. Yeah, I mean and that would have been, you know, totally uncalled for. That that's just Rod Serling showing off. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, although I don't I don't know did he did he write this one? Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, it was uh teleplay by Rod Serling. So so yeah, he did. That that was Rod Serling just showing off saying, "Wow, see this is the plot twist from this episode. You think it's <laughs> you think it's H O N E, but no, it's it's, it's just H U N N. If it's just like a like a regular episode where uh, <clears throat> Honeycutt just sells cars, 
Yeah. yeah. And then it like, and then at the very last scene, uh, a tracking shot zooms in on his nameplate and it's H U N N I. Wow. Mind blown. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Uh, awesome. So, so he, uh, Harvey there is, uh, is running a used car dealership. So he's a, he's a wonderful person. Yes. Um, you know, used car salesmen known, known for being wonderful people. Them uh, and ambulance chasers. Yeah. And- Although if any used car lots want to sponsor time enough at last, we'd be more than happy to have you. You're, you're a fine, uh, uh, producer and you, uh, contribute a lot to society. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's approached by a, a, an old guy who wants to sell his, uh, his, his model a, um, which I would, you know, the sixties were a crazy time. I wonder how, if there were like legitimately people driving around in model a's at that point, cause <laughs> like that's a 60 year old car. So that's like the equivalent of somebody actually today driving a car from the 1960s. So I can see it. I can you, see it. There's you, there's not a lot. You, you know, no one's no one's. Yeah, you're I not mean, going to see a 67. Yeah, Chevy. you will. You will occasionally see a, a 60, a car from the 60s driving down the street. Usually, you know, a car shows and things like that. But you know, of course. I, 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 it doesn't seem impossible. I could see someone driving a Model A around. I, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't be very commonplace. People no. would be pointing at the guy and, and wondering, hey, why can't you get a new car? But um, Honking at him. And right. That's but why he wants impossible. to get rid of it for 25 bucks. Um, but he does say that the car is haunted. <laughs> and uh, that anybody who owns it uh, uh, always tells the truth. Which what what happens in in Liar Liar? What what I, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. What oh what's the, gosh? Uh, oh, the, um, oh, oh, it's a it's a birthday thing. Like he he he. It's the son a, wishes. Yeah, yeah. The son yeah. wishes he uh, his dad would stop lying. Yeah, and 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 that's what happens. So, uh, <laughs> slightly different uh, mechanism here for the the truth telling, but same idea. And uh, so, um, uh, Honeycut, I, I guess, believes he can he can he can sell a Model A. Which seems a little, uh, little, little bit of hubris on his part. Uh, I mean, even if he's turning that over for a five dollar uh, profit, that's that's still better than nothing, you know. That that's true. You sell it for thirty, you're you're doing okay. You made five dollars that day. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and in nineteen sixties uh, dollars, let's we, we we do this all the time. Let's uh, let's <laughs> let's figure out the inflation here. Um, five dollars in nineteen sixty one. Yeah, five nine. Um, dollars today. Okay. This is very good use of uh, everybody's time. Uh, $5. I'm showing forty three seventy four. So not that great. Well, for one day, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not terrible. I mean, Better if you nothing. were working a, if you were working a whole day and that's all you did, that's, that's not great, but <laughs> yeah. you know, still not, not, not great. Not terrible. 3.6. You know that's why he's the he's a businessman. He knows he knows the next sales just coming down the road. Exactly. So um, ultimately, he does realize that uh, the the old coot was correct. The car does force you to tell the truth, um, and uh, that that makes selling used cars very difficult. Yes. I mean, th- there is not a car rolling out of there with a clear coat 
uh, that no. entire day because of that. The um, the relationship to how he um, like the the young couple that comes over to buy a car that he originally kind of like um, talks circles around the husband and then mm-hmm. uh, eventually is you know honest to them. Um, what a what a typical like nineteen sixty one uh, like view of women in the decision making process. <laughs> well. <laughs> like, well, uh, last week we mentioned the Futurama episode, uh, Roswell That Ends Well. Yeah. And uh, there's a scene in there where, uh, like, the, they're, they're in a department store and the, and the, the salesman <laughs> yes. is trying to sell uh, Leela a, a, a stove. And, you know, it's like, oh, you can make a roast in only, in only 16 hours. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think the salesman literally says, your, your wife is clearly hysterical, so I'll talk to you, sir. Yes. That, that, that's Which, pretty much... That's pretty much accurate. Yeah. I mean, I would not be super surprised if, if that stuff kind of still goes on at a, at some used car sales dealerships. Yeah, I I would imagine so. Again, I you know, if, if any used car uh, dealerships <laughs> want to sponsor Time Enough at Last, uh, we'd be happy to have you. You seem like wonderful people. Then that woman was hysterical, and you are right. And I would love to see a Kia Sedona right now. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, um, you know, obviously he wants to continue making a living as a used car salesman. So he wants to unload the, uh, wants to unload the car and, uh, he's having a hard time doing it because, uh, you know, it's hard to, hard to sell a, a model a in, in the 1960s to begin with, but virtually impossible if you can't lie. Exactly. And, uh, just when, He's about to abandon all hope and, and uh, presumably hang himself from the nearest streetlight. Um, he, he looks in the newspaper and sees that uh, uh, Nikita Khrushchev is coming for a visit. And uh, he, he calls the, the Soviet embassy and convinces, uh, convinces them they need to stop by. I just... And the fact that that works is like, you know, obviously, like we say, 22 minutes to tell a story, like they piddled around for 12 minutes of this episode to basically like present the the the, the plot. And then they just take the ultimate leap of faith that just some random dude can call the during a time of great, t- uh, like high tension between the, the Soviet Union and, and the U.S. And it's just some random guy can call the call the Soviet embassy and say, hey, do you guys want to stop by my uh, my car dealership? Well, he does have a very interesting way of, uh, you know, once he once he he gets them there, uh, he does have a very interesting way of actually making the sale while still telling the truth, where he basically says, yes, listen, this car is a piece of junk. Yeah, you should buy it so that you can tell your people, hey, look at these American cars. They're pieces of junk, which I actually thought was a really cool plot device. Yeah, that was that was very clever. Um, You know, that that Rod Serling, he, he 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 was a pretty good writer. He could put some pen to paper, that's for sure. He, he could. And um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, he manages to sell the uh, the car to the commies. How, um, <clears throat> how accurate, <laughs> in your opinion, do you think Khrushchev's right-hand man, who, like, originally tries to sign uh, before um, uh, Honeycutt says, no, no, your <laughs> boss has to sign, his accent is nowhere near Soviet. It's just, it's kind of British, and that's it. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I would say it was British. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I doubt that they were. Uh, it was probably just you know that was who was available that day. He, pr- probably you know they probably filmed a couple scenes where uh, he was doing a Soviet accent, or you know Russian accent, and um, it just sounded you know so so terrible that they were like you know what why don't, why don't you just be British be British yeah we'll we'll let we'll let uh, the viewers create your backstory. Although uh, Rudolf Abel he was a Soviet spy and he was from you know he was he was British. There you so go. So maybe it's not actually that uh, maybe it's not actually that far fetched. This was actually about that time, so this is may, his maybe, story. Yeah, uh, it could be. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That guy ended up being traded for for Francis Gary Powers. That that's 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 what happened. That that's that's the backstory. So it turns out his boss is Khrushchev. And, uh, uh, you know, so, so you, you brought up the fact that, uh, you know, some rando just called the Soviet embassy and they mm-hmm. immediately rushed over to buy a car. Uh, he also calls Washington, which, which I believe he literally says, get me Washington. Yeah, I assume they're in New York City because Khrushchev would probably be there for the UN. I, I right? would think so. Yeah, yeah. So he calls Washington. <laughs> Call, get it literally says you know di- dials the the operator and says get me Jack Kennedy. So here's what is he going to do with Jack Kennedy because he already sold the car to Khrushchev. Uh, I think that the the implication was that now Khrushchev has to tell the truth. So okay. So so that that is going to be beneficial to uh, to Jack Kennedy. <laughs> Some crazy person calls the president of the United States and said I sold. I sold Nikita a haunted Khrushchev. I sold a haunted car to Nikita Khrushchev and now he can only tell the truth. Oh my god. See, I thought that he assumed that the car was gonna come back to him and that he was and, gonna sell it to Jack Kennedy so that Jack Kennedy also had to tell the truth. Oh, see see, I was being very optimistic and assumed that Harvey Honeycutt was a patriotic American and just wanted to let uh, just what wanted to let the authorities know that no, now, you're right. I'm Nikita an idiot. I didn't know Will, Bill Shatner was in, was in Nikita. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's the more, that's the, why would you risk getting the car back? Why would you buy it back? Right. Yeah. Because so. you, you had a perfect sales pitch to the Soviets. Yeah. Hey, buy, buy this crappy old car so that you can say American cars are old and crappy. <laughs> It seems like selling it to to Jack Kennedy would be a little bit a uh, little bit tougher sale sale, especially if you if you actually have to tell the truth. You know, you gotta gotta keep keep our presidents on their toes. Yeah. You know? um, uh, although if if Jack Kennedy had to tell the truth, that would be interesting by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, if any of them did. Yeah, yeah. A- any, yeah. Uh, Joe McCarthy. If Joe McCarthy suddenly had to tell the truth, oh, wow, oh, that, that, that would be. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, J. Edgar Hoover has to tell the truth. Oh man, um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm still. It, it blows my mind a little bit that I had never seen this uh, this particular episode. And uh, yeah, one thing that jumped out at me aside from that was the fact that I think this is this is the, the this is the only Twilight Zone episode that I can think of that like sort of lives in its own era. Uh, you How know, so? generally, e- even though like they're all you know black and white and clearly you know shot in the '60s, yeah, like they tend to be like there's nothing like like 
necessarily time specific about it. And this is this yeah. is like this is like the closest a Twilight Zone episode comes to you know ripped from the headlines yeah, sort of sure. sort of storytelling. You know, like I, like I, I almost would have expected them to to imply all of this thing, all of this stuff, like. You know, he's selling the car to the Soviets, and then he says, get me the president. Not specifically selling it to Khrushchev <laughs> yeah. and get me Jack Kennedy. Yeah, that's a good point, because that's, that's pretty much what every other episode does. It's, you know, just the Soviets, or it's, you know, the British, or the Germans. It's never like, I mean, yeah, you know, there, there might be a Hitler reference somewhere. but like, Yeah, you, you might have some guy yelling at the camera, I'm Hitler. <laughs> but, but, but that's about as specific as you can get. Um, yeah. You like I, I I guess you know eventually we'll we'll get to uh, Death's Hand revisited. Yes, but I'm not sure if 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 that is a specific concentration camp or if it's just a concentration camp. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen that episode. Yeah, I don't think they get, they actually name it, but I, yeah. I so wrong. so I guess yeah, just just the specificity of of actually naming Khrushchev and uh, and Kennedy that. That surprised me. That it, it, it's definitely unique in in Twilight Zone episodes in that way. So I think that this is one of you know it, it's 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 closer to a rush uh, Mount Mount Rushmore, but it's it, you know it's definitely not on there. But um, I uh, I really like this this uh, this episode. Um, it, it is a little tough to watch because it's one of those on videotape. You're right. Um, yeah. But uh, it's it's definitely one that I will like kind of you know try and see past that oh uh, the good news is we're halfway through the videotape episodes thank god so, <laughs> yeah. Rough um, to watch. yeah now that i'm aware of the episode's existence uh, <laughs> i i will definitely seek it out in the future it's a good one that's i, it, I like it, it a lot not as much as i like the next one that's coming up though uh the invaders that that one has such great dialogue love it <laughs> It won an Emmy for its dialogue. Can you get me through to Jack Kennedy? Couldn't happen, you say? Far-fetched, way out, tilt of center? Possible, but the next time you buy an automobile, if it happens to look as if it had just gone through the Battle of the Marne, and the seller is ready to throw into the bargain one of his arms, be particularly careful in explaining to the boss about your grandmother's funeral when you were actually at Chavez Ravine watching the Dodgers. It'll be a fact that you're the proud possessor of an instrument of truth, manufactured and distributed by an exclusive dealer in the Twilight Zone. Galatron?